This episode of the Rasafari podcast contains adult themes and may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. Listener discretion is advised. When a male does this, he'll nibble on her toes. Hello, lovers. My name is John Rossi, and I'm a touring drummer with a passion for all things animal. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos and aquariums. Now, I want to share some sexy stories from those places with you. So get ready to hear all about the love and lust you can find at the zoo. You're tuned in to Rasafari After Dark. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Welcome back to the podcast that thinks flea penises should be called fleenuses. Rasafari After Dark. So, as you may have gathered from, well, everything about this episode so far, I have decided to turn Valentine's Day into Valentine's Week and bring you two episodes of Rasafari After Dark. All joking aside, here's the deal. Mating is a huge part of life at the zoo, and I thought this week would be a fun time to take a slightly irreverent look at some of those stories. There is actually a ton of fascinating information in these episodes, and we do get real, y'all. Whether it's discussing flea, slug, and elephant penises, the mating behaviors of bald eagles and echidnas, or the adaptations that make warthogs and tortoise mating so interesting, we are doing a deep dive on animal reproduction. There are also a bunch of adult jokes. Nothing too crazy, and certainly nothing I think you'll find offensive, as that would never be my goal. But we definitely joke about the Mile High Club, foot fetishes, and other stuff like that. The only actual trigger warning I want to put out there is that we do briefly discuss some non-consensual sex in the animal kingdom. It is not a graphic description at all, and it is certainly not joked about. But I do want to warn y'all that it is mentioned. Other than that, though, it's just a fun time chatting about something that we are the only species that seems to be embarrassed by. You know, sex. My guest for today's episode is Laura Houston, the Director of Education at Elmwood Park Zoo. This is Laura's second time on the podcast, and you can hear her first interview way back in Episode 5. It's called Unexpected Otter. As a matter of fact, Laura suggested this episode idea to me when we recorded our first interview. In non-COVID times, many zoos do an adults-only evening around Valentine's Day with this very theme, and Laura has been the speaker at a few of those. I am really excited to bring you a digital version of that today. So, grab your special someone, pour some cavassier, light a fire, snuggle up, and get ready for my interview with Laura Houston of the Elmwood Park Zoo. So, tell me where we are, who you are, and what you do here. Got it. We are at Elmwood Park Zoo. My name is Laura Houston, and I am the Director of Education. Yay! Welcome back. It's nice to have you here again. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. Now, last time we had all this nice flowery conversation about, you know, cute little animals mm -hmm. and stuff, and 
But today it's it's Rossafari after dark. We're here to look <laughs> at the other side of the zoo. So let's let's talk about some some romance and mating behaviors uh, in the zoo. And no, I'm not talking about your keepers. I know there you have go. some stories there too, but <laughs> we'll keep those ones private. <laughs> so I, you know, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about um, because I think a lot of times when people think of zoos, they think of it just from a young kid perspective. Um, but there's so much more to zoos, as as I know you cover often in your podcast. Um, but there is a whole realm of really interesting information about mating behaviors and and why zoos do what they do, uh, which I think is really really cool to be able to cover. Um, and I, I I think I want to start with some of my my favorite animals and some of my favorite animal stories. But I think when you talk to people, one of the first things they they want to know is you know. Can an animal, does an animal love? Do they love like we love? Um, and the answer is really, we, we, we don't really know. Fair, we fair. certainly know that there are attachments. And um, for anybody who has a, a dog at home, you know, not a cat as much. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a dog at home, you know, certainly that dog shows affection to you. Um, particularly with certain animals bond. Uh, we, we famously have a... Uh, Moluccan cockatoo here, whose name is Sally, and Sally has one person. That that's that's it, and that's her one person, um, which is not uncommon with birds. And but there's certainly a relationship there. And poor Lisa, if she has to go on vacation or, or take a day off, um, you know, we have to make arrangements for Sally because her, her her day is off. <laughs> um, so so there definitely is something there. But for the most part. The relationships in in the animal kingdom are about propagating the species. You know, what's love got to do with it? It's all about <laughs> it's all about keeping the species going because that's the key to survival. So I think that that's um, that's something to, to keep in mind when we're starting to talk about this. Is that it's about it. It's about keeping our species going. Um, so for me, I have um, some some favorite animals when you think about it. Um, one of the ones I know people talk about a lot are rabbits. When you think of multiplying, you think of rabbits. Mm-hmm. And that's not without not without reason. Um, rabbits, are they're not monogamous. They uh, will mate as often as they can. Um, when you think about it, a rabbit has... Um, a rabbit can um, get pregnant every 32 days or give birth every 32 days. Wow. So it's a 32-day gestation. And the female rabbit can get pregnant the day she gets gives birth. And if you're talking about a litter of eight to maybe twelve babies, that's a lot of reproduction. That's that's a lot. Um, but when you think about it, in, in the case of a rabbit, you're, you're talking about a prey animal. The the infant mortality is very high. The survival rate is a struggle. So in order to keep a prey animal like that going, keeping a species that is a prey animal, you you have to have. There is a lot. Um, but when you also think about the the actual act um, between two rabbits, it's incredibly quick. It's, so it's not just about keeping the species going. It's about that moment, making sure that you are not vulnerable for more than about 15 seconds. <laughs> And, 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 and that's it. And now the male rabbit in that 15 seconds is, you know, when that moment comes, his two back feet do lift up off the air and, um, it is a great moment, <laughs> but it's, it's also about keeping the species going about being safe even during that moment right, as right. well, where you have a very difference with bald eagles, for example, um, apex predator, there's nothing really up there. Um, 
they can take their time a little more, but they also can put themselves in a very vulnerable situation. Um, bald eagles will um, come together and, and clasp their talons together, and they will spiral down, and it, it could be almost a mild drop that they're that they are attached to each other via talons, and they don't always pull apart at the end. Sometimes there are stories of eagles getting injured because they have plummeted during mating. Oh, wow. Um, so you do have, you know, there's an animal who doesn't have to worry about vulnerability necessarily that puts himself in an incredibly vulnerable situation. Wow, that's really incredible. I, I do like the fact that um, most of what you said about rabbits kind of pertains to high school boys, too. But, uh, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating about eagles. I did not... Um, realize that that's how they they do that yeah and and you know mile high club it, it is about, about a mile up, <laughs> oh about I like a mile it. Up. yeah <laughs> um and and they do spend you know time circling mating each other in fact i um i yesterday and i live about a mile from the delaware river and there was a mating pair um over over my house and it you know it almost looks like they're fighting because in a way they they are um just you know getting themselves up to that moment all right. Well, that's uh, that's fascinating. Very cool. Very cool. So one of the other things I think uh, to let people know, and, I, and I'm sure it's probably come up many, many, many times uh, on your podcast, is the species survival plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to remind everybody, it's it, basic reproduction in the zoos is all connected to the species survival plan. So it's something that we work with um, as well, uh, which makes it a challenge on occasion. Um, when you think particularly... Big cats are the one that leaps to mind. Um, big cat mating is 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 not easy, um, both in the wild and in captivity. It's not easy. Um, cats do have the male cats do have uh, have barbed penises, so it's it's painful. So when a say if you take a lion for example. Uh, when a male lion is mating with a female lion, it's a very very short time because it's painful to her. Um, so they will go over three, four days, multiple times. So it, it, it's quantity versus quality. Um, they're not really worrying about the quality. They're just doing as many times as they can over multiple days. Um, and that's, you know, they won't eat, they won't sleep. They might be every 20 minutes or so. And it's very aggressive from both ends because if it's uncomfortable for her, what often happens in, with big cats, with lions, tigers, jaguars, is when they're done, she's going to be upset and she's going to swat them. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes so, sense. So, um, you know, when you figure if she's swatting him afterwards, you know, she could rake her claws across him. She could, she could go after him. Um, so it's, it's definitely a challenge when you're, when you're with, particularly in zoos with big cats. Um, that's a huge challenge to be able to, um, introduce them because with the exception of lions they're solitary, so you're introducing them. You know that this could have a rather violent end in that they could um, go after each other. Um, and you know it has to happen a lot um, to be able to be successful. Yeah, it makes sense. And for those listening who don't know this, um, you know, there's there's kind of this myth that the male lion is this big, ferocious animal. And I mean, they are, don't get me wrong. But um, lionesses are actually the ones that do most of the hunting and are incredibly ferocious, fierce animals. And um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, the idea of a lioness going after uh, her, her mate is is really scary. And, and yeah, yeah, I can't imagine what that would be like to be a keeper and see something like that start to happen. 
But, and you can't go in. You can't go in. No. You can't get in or meet. <laughs> um, you know, oftentimes in zoos, um, keepers are standing by with um, means to separate hoses, fire extinguishers, things along those lines. And um, But it, it it's definitely a scary thing to do, uh, to put them together. And that's if they've even get along. Right, right. Because you have situations where they may not. Um, in, in fact, I... I I worked at another zoo for a while and we had, um, three, three male, uh, cheetahs highly desirable to breed on the SSP. Um, you really, they were not largely genetically represented. So you really wanted to get that genetics out there. Um, and they were three, three brothers that were related, brought in a female to introduce and she did everything she was supposed to do. She rolled around. She rubbed. She said, hey, baby, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, um, she's doing everything um, before they introduce. Same thing, uh, the male, you know, he's all excited, ready to go. Introduce him. She takes one look at him, smacks him across the face. He goes and cowers in a corner, and then that's it. Oh, no. And you try multiple times, and, and that's it. Went to bachelor number two. <laughs> Same thing. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, introduced her to the mate. She goes in. She's very aggressive. Whacks him across the face. <laughs> he goes and cowers in the corner. Bachelor number three. Exactly the same thing. Whacks him across the face. He cowers in the corner. So for almost two years, they tried to introduce these incredibly needed genetics, and she was having no part of them. Wow. Um, went worked with. The you know of course the zoo uh, the AZA and the SSPs and went to another zoo, no problem had had cubs and and did great. So you you have to make sure they like each other too, right? <laughs> and yeah, it's not no. you know there's no emails or courting in in a way that we know in advance. Um, so yeah, it, it can be a challenge that way too. Definitely. All right. Well, that's uh, oof. That's that's kind of a scary <laughs> side of, of of sex at the zoo. All right. Jeez. Well, now there, there are some there are some fun sides as well. I oh, mean. I have to say one of my absolute favorite, if anybody in any zoo has ever gone past um, a Galapagos or Alodabra tortoise exhibit, <laughs> you know that's always fun. Um, those of us in education learn very quickly to be able to say, no, 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 he's giving her a hug, or, 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 they're, or they're playing leapfrog when you have to answer that question. Um, but tortoises are, are, are one of my favorite for mating because obviously they move slow. <laughs> Nothing is particularly fast with the tortoise. Now, some tortoises are faster than others. Um, but to be able to get a mate attracted, what a, what a male does is he'll nibble on her toes. And when you think about it, you know, when we say that nibble on toes, we kind of go, oh, foot fetish. Oh, that's a little weird. But when you think of a turtle, the sea or a tortoise, it's the only thing out right, yeah, are the toes. Sense, yeah. um, so he'll often nibble on her toes. There'll be lots of grunting. But then he has to maneuver behind her. <laughs> and that's not a, not an easy, fast thing. And when you have a, a $500, a $500, 500-pound, <laughs> well, more than $500, a 500-pound um, Aladabra tortoise, it, 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 it's a slow move. Um, and then he needs her to cooperate because she has to, she has to lift up her hind end a little bit for him to be able to fit. Now, and of course, I'm sure all your listeners know that tortoises and turtles, uh, the males have um, curved shells mm -hmm. to help fit over uh, the female shells. Females have, have flat um, on the bottom. So 
I, I mean, it's not necessarily an easy thing for him to do. Um, and then, you know, if she's not cooperating or she's losing interest, he has to get down, go around, nibble some toes, maybe headbutt her a little bit, <laughs> climb back on. And, you know, it's going to take a little while. Um, but there, are, that was always one of my favorite things in, in any zoo when you come across and you hear those grunts and you just know what those grunts are. Oh, yeah. I actually um, – I have a story about that. So uh, the, the first time that I saw tortoises – mating um was in a ninth grade science class video and, oh in a video yes even. Okay. and they showed it and i heard it and i heard the noise and i remember being like okay did not expect that that mm-hmm. grunting noise just nope and then i was at the the maryland zoo maybe two or three years later and all of a sudden i'm not even at the exhibit and i hear this grunting noise and i just burst out laughing it, it stuck with me years later and i was like i know what we're about to see <laughs> walk over to the next exhibit and sure enough there there it was <laughs> i have watched many a parent that are suddenly thrust into that conversation when they weren't ready for it <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair that's mm-hmm. fair yeah yeah so it, uh, there's definitely some some fun aspects of it there as well I like the foot fetish. That's that's pretty mm-hmm. great. Yeah, and hey, this this podcast doesn't kink shame. So if you're into foot fetishes, yeah, you know, yeah, no, exactly. no worries. No if, that, worries. If, that, if that's your thing, no problem. <laughs> I am here for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I do always find it amazing the um, the adaptations that animals have for, mm-hmm. for mating behaviors, whether it's a barbed penis or mm-hmm. a, a uh, curved, you know, plastron or, or things that humans don't have. Only animals do. <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the most complicated penises in the world is is that of a flea. And, really? and if it, so, y'all Google it now. When not at work, <laughs> not for work. When you get home, Google pictures, um, and it basically looks like a Swiss Army knife. There's all these little apparatuses and things. I don't think we know yet in science what all of them do, but there's all these different apparatuses and things like that. And and there's a ton of adaptations. Um, you you've got. Several species, warthogs are, are one that have, um, you know, they do a, a plug. So, right, right. you know, there, mm-hmm. there's the plug to prevent anybody else from coming to mate behind them. So, right. um, you know, that's a possibility. Or my, my one of my favorite adaptations are bats. I, I, I love the adaptation of bats. So, got to take bats. Um, they, of course, hang upside down, as we all know. So male penises, well, of course, male penises. Um, so, so back penises um, work like a gear shift. So they have more maneuverability than a lot of them do because they're able to to maneuver hanging upside down. But because they hibernate, or many species hibernate, um, you will um, in the fall is when you'll copulate, and you. You're you're working up you're real, working up to make sure that you have enough so that your your um your um seed carries over. So they'll use their gear shift penis. They'll start they'll start copulating, and if the time comes to hibernate, they'll just hibernate like that and they won't separate. Wow! And they can wake up in the spring and still be inside the female. And I just have these visions of, of, you know, oh, my God, what happened? What happened during hibernation? You know, get away from me. You know, I just have these visions of that. Um, But they want to make sure that, you know, everything survives and is strong so that when spring comes and they're able to have young, um, that that it survives. But that's one of my favorite adaptations. 
Wow, that's really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I've, I've heard of morning sex, but that's, that's See, taking it to a whole other level. a whole other level. Yeah, I like that. Also, I like the fleeness very much. I'm excited to look this up. And, and yeah. yeah. Or banana, snow, banana slugs are another one because their, their penis comes out of their head, pour out of their head, <laughs> and is about the same length of their body. So, <laughs> you know, that that's – but they're, they do. They um, – most animals have have great adaptations. If you think of things like porcupines, mm-hmm. um, male porcupines, I, I, I feel for male porcupines because a female porcupine is only fertile about eight to twelve hours a year. Oh wow! So one little tiny period, and they're solitary and nocturnal um, and arboreal. So if you're a male looking for a mate, it's, it's hard. You've got to find her at night. You've got to, she's got to make sure, you know, she's up in the tree. You, you've got to make sure you find the right day. Um, and then he'll display, he'll stand on his hind legs, show her what he's got. He'll spray some urine. Um, as you do. As, as you do. do. Yeah. And if she's not interested she just goes back up her tree and goes on her way and then he's got to go find somebody else. And, um, I always feel bad for them. It's, it's a lot of work for them. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> it. Sounds like it. <laughs> oh man. But the reward is worth it. And I don't just mean the sex, but porky pets are really adorable. Porky, they, they are adorable. <laughs> they are, really they are absolutely adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. Wow. So many fascinating, uh, adaptations. I did not realize I don't think any of those. I'm still kind of hung up on the banana slug size thing. Banana slug size? Little, little jealous. Well, whatever. you know, you know, size doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you know, gorillas. It's only about two and a half inches. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So size doesn't necessarily matter. Um, you know, blue whale, uh, blue whales have the largest of a mammal. Um, but uh, you have some of your ducks that it's huge. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, different different sizes and different adaptations. Um, well, warthogs, as we mentioned, it's corkscrew-shaped. So, right, yep. Um, warthogs are weird. Yeah, warthogs, your hog family, so that's, that's certainly a little different. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right, so what else you got for me? Oh, me let, let me see. I have, you know, I, I think that it's interesting also uh, the roles communities play, if you will. Oh, okay. yeah? Um. When you think of mating, um, you know, a couple come to mind. To me, one of the ones is um, um, echidnas. Um, echidnas, of course, are, are not as well known in in the animal world. Isn't it? By that, I mean, there's not as much research and there's not, a, not as much known about them. But one of the things that, with echidnas is they do have the bachelor train. So a female echidna, when she's ready, when she's in it, will uh, attract 20, 30... Um, males from around the area that will all follow her around, <laughs> you know, all trying to be, all trying to be the mate, the, the number oh, one boy. mate. Um, and though actually the one who's coming forth as being the most dominant will dig a moat around her to then be able to mate. Cause remember, kidneys have those quills. So he right, wants to right. get beneath her to be able to mate. Um, but then after they mate, or I suppose technically during they mate, the bachelor herd that's left just kind of all goes out and hangs out. And I just always have this picture of them, like, you know, hanging out at a, at a pub going, hey, dude, how you doing? What's <laughs> this time? Oh, man, you're, you know. But um, so, you know, you have all this gathering. Uh, snakes are similar. Uh, garter snakes um, are one that people may have in their backyard that you'll see that. 
that spring mating ball where we'll have a female in the center of sometimes up to 100 males. Oh, wow. All jockeying, trying to, to mate. Um, but my, I think my favorite for communities is, is elephants. That's, that's one of my favorites. Okay. Um, so, I mean, elephants as a whole, this is, this is, this is a lot going on with, with <laughs> elephants when you think about it. Um, the penis alone was four foot, four foot long, which <laughs> it needs to be. I yeah, mean, it sense. needs to makes be. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, you know, to get that far and, and. Um, I, I know it's audio in your listeners, but I'm I'm only five foot tall, so when I think of that, <laughs> I, I find it a little scary. Um, so, and it also has um, it's one of the ones when we talk about adaptations that it does have a heat seeking orb at the end to help guide um, guide through, and it's sort of S shaped. So you've got that to start with. But when a male and and, and female elephant um, get together. The other female elephants will surround her in a circle, or surround them in a circle, uh, and then they 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 stamp their feet, they trumpet, they wave their ears. Um, sometimes they'll even urinate and, and defecate with excitement. Um, so if you imagine getting together with your mate and then having all of her female friends and relatives around celebrating what's happening um it's just fascinating so basically me. it's like the the uh you know what every guy thinks a bachelorette party is like when the, exactly. the, the, the male stripper comes in yeah yeah, yeah no yeah. I, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm kind of amazed that almost all of the things that you're talking about i have seen humans try to turn into them doing and then make a cheesy porno about i right. mean i'm just right right let's be real <laughs> Yo, that's fascinating. I did not know that. So I, I just and and then it make, it kind of makes you wonder, like you know, what if they don't approve? What if <laughs> what if this technique is not good? They're all what like is, shouting advice. Yo, dude, I mean, try this. What, what are they actually saying when they're trumpeting? <laughs> and I, I just I, I find that I find that fascinating. And you know, again, there's there's uh, lots of times that there's there are communities in, in, involved. Um, in it, which I, I, I think is really interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, did not see that one coming. That's fascinating. <laughs> uh-huh. Very cool. Very now cool. rhinos on the other end are very different because they're solitary when they mate and, and rhinos are perhaps not unsurprising are one of the most aggressive sure. when, when they, and when, you know, when you look at the, the the size of the sheer size of them that they that can be some of the most violent and aggressive um so so also can be ducks so okay so talk to me about duck sex you know, ducks says, is ducks normally. is yeah i mean <laughs> every day what do you talk about duck sex. um w- with ducks um you can have multiple males trying to go for one female and it's in the water and, and she can actually drown from them trying oh, wow. to go after her so yikes um you know that can be one of the most one of the most violent as well, and you you know you see a cute duck or a cute duckling, and you don't think about that, but that can that can be really really aggressive and violent. Makes sense, yeah. I know I know I've heard rumors of of um, like the term you know duck rape before, yeah. and yeah. I guess that's yeah interesting. Wow, yeah. It's uh, this is one of the reasons I think that it's really important. We always talk about on this podcast how important it is to not anthropomorphize mm-hmm. when it comes to to animals, and it's hard sometimes um, not to do that. But in this case, it's definitely a great example of 
you know, a lot of this stuff is, is not really going to be okay for humans, but it's how it works. And, it's yeah. Well, if you think of something simple, too, like a, a, a giraffe, a giraffe, male giraffe tells a female giraffe is ready to mate by drinking her urine. So... Maybe that's okay for some. Right, yeah. Again, again, no king shaming. Yeah, no yeah. king shaming. <laughs> uh, maybe that's okay for some. Generally, most of us, that's that's not. Um, but uh, when humans see it, when, you know, if you have two giraffe on exhibit and they the male is, is drinking your urine, um, the response is always, oh, that's so gross, that's so gross. But think of a giraffe and think of how hard it is for a giraffe to mate. Because, you know, the, the size of its legs and, again, talking about distance to travel, yeah. um, it, it's not easy for him to be able to do it. And it, they are a prey animal and you're putting them in a vulnerable situation. Um, so, yeah, a little drinking urine to make sure it's not a wasted effort and it's the right time is absolutely appropriate. So when they're drinking the urine, are they able to, like, for lack of a better word, taste the hormones, basically. Yeah. So it's it's it's, yeah. it's similar to like a pregnancy test. Yeah. Honestly, it just we don't use our tongues for those. But yeah, and yeah, I, makes I, sense. I think that when you when you talk about that, I, when you realize the fact that you know, like un, unlike a rabbit that is, many female rabbits are fertile almost the whole time because again, every thirty two right, yeah. days. Um, when you're talking about a giraffe, I mean that's that's a lot of effort to put yourself in a vulnerable position. So. It makes sense to do something along those lines. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff. A lot of violence, too, like you were saying. Um, yeah. I know I the last time that I was here, I was sitting here, sitting right where we are right now, mm-hmm. holding a spider. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, have heard that, that you know, there's the old Black Widows mm-hmm. eat, kill and eat their mates afterwards and stuff. Uh, how much is, is that true? And, and talk to me about spider sex. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely true for some species. So, um, but, it, you know, praying mantis will do the same thing. Uh, the female will, um, after after they copulate, the female will often, um, will many times um, kill the mate. A lot of times it's for food. It's the immediate food source because sure. she's then going to need food. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's often that situation. But there's been some really interesting adaptations in the animal kingdom for that. Um, there are some species of spiders that uh, now bring offerings instead. Oh, okay. They'll bring a fly, say, wrapped up in the cocoon, and they bring the offering. So it's almost like in, before they kill her, they go, here you go. Right, Eat right. The, you know, have this. Um, there is a, another species, and I'm sorry, I forget the exact species, uh, where the male has a heart attack at the end of copulation so she doesn't kill him. I'm not sure that that's a better adaptation because you're <laughs> still ending up yeah. not here anymore. Um, but they also, again, very often have the similar idea of if they, if he does have a heart attack, then you know he's there, and another male is not going to be able to come in and displace his right. um, displace his sperm. So, um, yeah, it it is very true, and they often have. Um, you know, some elaborate uh, mating uh, dances on webs and things like that. So, yeah, not every, sp- every spider species, but definitely some. And, again, most often it's 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 food-related. Um, right, right. It's, it's the first food source. Quick question, and, and this might be 
I don't know if this is a question that you can answer even, but do we know if those animals know that they're going to die? Like, are they just like, okay, it's my time. I'm going to go get to do this cool thing I want to do and help propagate the species. I am so anthropomorphizing, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Or, or like, do they willingly go to their death? Um, I mean, because I know a lot of people who would be willing to die for, for sex, I think. But, um, you know, or are they just, oh, crap, you're doing what now? Ow. I, I would have to think that they, to me, the... It's the the preserving the species. So there is a, a, a mammal, and I apologize. We're going to have to look up the small mammal's name um, that will actually mate itself to death. It's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John. Mm. All right, y'all. The name of the species is Antichinus. The Antichinus is a genus of small marsupial that lives in Australia, and they're kind of like cute little mice-looking creatures. They're they're pretty cool. And here, you thought I was going to say high school boys again. All right, back to the interview. Oh wow! And it's not um, it's not a like an instantaneous or or a mate killing it. It will. It's the drive is so much to preserve its species that it will actually keep mating till its hair starts falling out. It loses its body mass until it literally dies from exhaustion from mating. Um, so I think the drive to keep the species going is just more prevalent. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Would to, that would be you know my best guess on that. Interesting. I'll have to look up. What and I have to. We're is. gonna have to look that yeah. up because I can't remember the name right now. But <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm, sti- I'm sticking with high school boy until I find out. Yes. <laughs> it's time for interrupting, 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 interrupting John again. Okay, y'all were right. I did make the high school boys joke again. Back to the interview. You know, but by then, token, there are <laughs> there are species that do mate for life. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. So there is the other end um, of species that do mate for life. Um, so uh, you, you get a little bit of both sides. Yeah, and I know there's there's even there's um, there's all kinds of relationships in the animal mm-hmm. kingdom. There's homosexuality. There's oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's not even just for procreating the species. No, right? sometimes yeah. it's. Sometimes it truly is um, companionship or sex for pleasure, mm-hmm. um, not just for mating. Dolphins um, do as well. Um, so that's, you know, it's definitely something that, that happens out there. And, and there's lots of um, examples. Um, I, of course, one of my favorites and, and people I'm sure have heard the story of um, the book And Tango Makes Two from, um, I think it was Bronx Zoo, where they had two male penguins that kept wanting to raise an egg and mm-hmm. kept doing um, – kept trying to uh, hatch an, a rock and then eventually they gave him an egg and they raised that baby and that's great. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Love it. Of course, I think they later got divorced, but that's okay. Yeah. Hey, it, <laughs> it, it happens. Well, people, that's because even mating for life, sometimes, particularly in penguins, sometimes they do split up and mm-hmm. sometimes they do, um, you know, get our version of a divorce and, and the female penguin, you know, if, if there's another male penguin that brings some shiny rocks that she likes for her nest, you know, it's okay. So they're, even if they mate for light, there's sometimes a little swinging in there too. Oh, so, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, which is 
which is fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, again, I think so much of, of what we do with um, anthropomorphizing is, um, you know, we'll, we'll look at something and we want to simplify. And so for for much of human history, it's been, oh, marriage is, is for life and that's what God wants and whatever. And we all know that's not true. We all know that, that some people mate for life and some people get divorced and some people whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, you, I think you see that in the animal kingdom without shame. Right. Which is, is nice. Um, you know, and, but I, I think it's, yeah, I think sometimes we oversimplify things. Well, and I think that, um, there's a practicality. Um, there was a, a few years ago, there was a story of pale male, the red tail hawk in, um, New York city. Um, and pale male went to, uh, there was a building, a high rise apartment building that he, he, um, loved to nest with his, 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 um, chosen mate. And ultimately what happened is the, um, it was a swanky building and they said, we don't like the nest. They took the nest down and the residents were just furious. Right, right. They were like, you know, how dare you? Um, thankfully the nest rebuilt and pale male continued. Well, he went through it. It, it was pale male. And I think it was Lola was his, his wife's name, uh, or mate's name. I shouldn't say wife, mate's name. And they had many, many, many clutches there. And then when she passed away, he he brought another mate mm-hmm. and they kept clutches going there and um so i think that sometimes it's the practicality of like okay you know my mate is passed or is not able to anymore you know and and, and you move on yeah 100% mm-hmm. yeah there's a uh, there's a famous eagle i can't think of the name right now but um same thing it it was uh, on a camera that that you know like a nature cam people would tune in online and see it and uh they they were a a coupled pair and then the female uh, got injured and is now at Mill Mountain Zoo because she's unreleasable. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of that Eagles fans were very disappointed that he has another woman. Well, he's moved on. Come on. Like mm-hmm. his his mate was gone. As far as you know, she did. Like, right. you know, whatever. Right. And he's not just going to sit and cry. Like, yeah. yeah. He's going to move on, move on for the species. And Absolutely. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's, that's, that's a, a fascinating thing that sometimes we don't, we don't quite process that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Definitely. But but that being saying, sometimes there's really you know elaborate court ch- displays that aren't that different than us when you think about it. Um, uh, the pufferfish is a great one. Pufferfish uh, draw these uh, circles in the sand to attract a mate, and they can be huge. These big concentric circles to attract a mate. Um, uh, the bowerbird is one of the most famous. Um, the bowerbird will the male will build a beautiful big bower. Um, nest for the female and he'll um, he'll decorate it with all uh, particularly blue items blue items in the front and shiny items in the front to make it more attractive um even something as simple as as a cardinal in your backyard when the male's mating he will bring a sunflower seed to the female and present it to her so um i think there's there's some aspects of that that are that are similar to us i'm Really confused about what uh, your dating life has been like. If somebody drawing concentric circles is uh, <laughs> is, is what makes you think, oh, this is just like exactly. this is just like humans. But uh, but I'm hey, not going to pry. Not going to pry. Somebody feng shui's a room. I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, fair, fair. I'll, all right, that's good. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else interesting you want to throw my way? So I I do I do also think. I want to put things in a little bit of perspective for people in, in, in some cases. Um, for example, um, 
with the bird of paradise, with the elaborate mating dance. Um, that's inherited and passed down from generation to generation to generation. Um, which makes me wonder too, if it's each generation, of course, changes it a little and makes it their own. Um, but it, you know, just, I would love to see if somebody's done a study to see just how successful, um, like, like if one generation has a really good mating dance and then they keep it going, if that's successful. But I, I just to put things in perspective, um, the crown crane, of course, we're, we're very familiar with the, the um, uh, cranes and the elaborate mating dances that they, right, that they right. often do. Um, but they do mate for life. Um, so whooping cranes, sorry, I said crown cranes, whooping cranes do mate for life. Um, so when they, when they um, do this dance, it's elaborate and fantastic and they get a mate. And then when they do it the next year for the mate, it's a little bit shorter. And the year after it's a little bit shorter. <laughs> and the year after it's a little bit shorter. And then finally they're just kind of like, Hey, you want a mate? Um, so I think that's not unlike us. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you, you might have that initial honeymoon where everything's great and then it, <laughs> you know, it, it fades off a little bit. Um, but I think that that's, um, that's an interesting parallel to, to us. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really yeah. funny. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Very cool. Um, so why don't we, uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Or oh, are no, we good? no, okay, I've, cool. just, I've been yakking on about it. So no, I love it. That's great. So why don't you, um, you know, while we've got my, my listeners here, mm-hmm. uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about Elmwood Park. What's going on here? How's life at my favorite zoo? So, you know, life is, life is good, different and new and unique, just like, uh, so many other places. Um, we are, um, Getting ready to fully reopen for the spring. We are open Wednesday through Friday um, in the winter, um, taking opportunities on Monday and Tuesday to save some staff costs and also um, take some time to refocus on those days. But it's really what's been most interesting, and and I'm sure a lot of people have told you um, stories of their organizations and how they've overcome and how they've come through or how they've struggled um, through COVID. But for me, one of the things that I think has been most interesting is how it's really bonded us as a team. Not that we were, you know, we weren't unteam like <laughs> before. Right. Um, but it has really made us so much stronger as a team, which has built, led to uh, better programs, better guest engagement, better animal care, better everything across the board. Um, it's been really great, but we're looking forward to an exciting spring. Um, we have some renovations in our birdhouse coming up um, that we will hopefully be able to uh, share with people. Um, if, if you haven't been here for a little while, we have um, two new rias on exhibit. We have a new capybara. I'm not sorry, not capybara. We have a new um, um, peccary exhibit. Sorry, I couldn't think of what she was. I have a new peccary. Joni! Yeah, Joni. I mean, she's one of my favorite animals in soon. I couldn't think of it for a second. <laughs> um, we have a new uh, peccary exhibit. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to a really good spring. I think we're going to Very cool. And spring. you guys have uh, a baby sloth coming here soon, right? We do. We have yeah. a baby sloth coming. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very excited. Can't, can't wait to see the sloth. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, awesome. Uh, are there any um, conservation organizations or anything you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, you know what? That's something that we are working hard on uh, building up new programs. So Ooh. I'm very excited in the, you know next time we talk that we'll be able to talk about all sorts of new conservation programs that we have. Very cool. I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then it's time for the Rasafari poop story. Oh, let me see. So um, poop story. Um, I'm going to share this one because it, it, it's it's probably most memorable to me. Um, 
is there's a red-footed tortoise um, that I worked with at Philadelphia Zoo for 15 years, and his name was Tom. And um, Tom, without a doubt, when you would get him out on the program, would just, not only would he have pooped in his cooler, which is pretty gross and nasty for all those of you who have cleaned out a tortoise poop out of a cooler, um, has also routinely pooped on me on, on, on program. So just recently, uh, Philadelphia Zoo was making some changes uh, to their collection and reached out and said, hey, do you guys want Tom? <laughs> So Tom now resides here at the Elmwood Park nice. Zoo, which is something zoos do on occasion of changes or uh, you're doing exhibit expansions or whatever. So um, Tom now lives with us here at the Elmwood Park Zoo, um, and I, because I live very close to Philadelphia Zoo, is the one who who picked him up to transport him to here, got him out of the cooler, and guess what he did first? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to make sure that I didn't forget, that's exactly what he did first. That's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Very cool. Yay, phones. All right, cool. Well, um, thank you so much for doing this. I super appreciate it. Always a always. pleasure. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. You got it. Thank Thanks you. so much. Oh, I just love Laura so much, as I love everyone and everything at Elmwood Park Zoo. But y'all know that already. It's such a great place. Uh, you can check them out online at elmwoodparkzoo.org. And, of course, they're on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff at Elmwood Park Zoo. I hope you guys are enjoying Rasafari After Dark because I am having an absolute blast with this. And uh, yeah, so just a quick reminder, y'all. Um, the words sexy credits backward are Yexus Steiderk. Well, that's our sexy show. I hope you found it titillating. The Rasafari After Dark theme song was composed and performed by me, Sean Rossi. Listen and subscribe on any podcast app. Please take the time to leave a sexy review as it helps others find our podcast. You can find Rossafari on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari. Now stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Oh yeah.